Notes from the Upper West Side, a novel by Dan Wrench. Chapter 17, Lounge Act. There are lots of takes and retakes in movies. You probably know that already. Actors get into character, do some lines, stop, do them again until somebody says, okay, fine. If the director is really nervous, it could be forever before the okay, fine comes. Meanwhile, said director is starting to get defensive because he can see production assistants rolling their eyes. The best way to keep that guy from turning a fun day into a nightmare of one more time is to have somebody standing close to him, the cinematographer or audio person or assistant director, say something like, wow, after the fifth or sixth take. You know, a wow that says, I've seen this so many times I could puke, but the last time through made me a believer again. That's pretty much what the director is looking for anyway. Audience reaction, approval, stroking, assurance. So all I'm saying is, crew, do you want to go home? The word is, wow. See, there's no such thing as labor laws in movies. Actually, there are, but nobody pays attention to them unless you're a kid, including the union. So 12 hours into your 8-hour day, you will start to have psychotic impulses. For example, moving in on Lenny's face means moving all the lights close, the camera close. Then somebody says, doesn't look like the same light. And out come the bounce boards. Or the cloth suspended in frames like sails, and these contraptions all sit in a four-foot square area. Then these boards go up by his face, and they shoot. Again, and again, until somebody says, wow, and the director says, okay, fine. Think about it the next time you see a movie. See that shot on the desert island? Any shot. Guarantee you if the camera moved one foot to the right of the castaway, you'd see some sweaty guy in a Willie Nelson getup holding a big piece of cardboard. And if you could read his mind, there'd be a better than even chance you'd get a visual of the director with a plastic fork in his eye. But the film tards just do what they're told and keep their mouths shut like the guys who dragged slabs for the pharaohs. It's what they do. Meanwhile, for the rest of us, it's just a buttload of waiting and drinking coffee and not being at Chuck E. Cheese. I thought I noticed some gratuitous squeezes on my arm when we were walking down the so-called Soho Strip, and I looked at Cammy, and she gave me kind of a little smile, and I gig-cackled kind of quietly. <laughs> Oh yeah, main cunt's pal? Her name is Cameron. I call her Cammy now. Of course, I wasn't sure right then that she was coming on to me, but I was hoping, in spite of the completely uncalled for face she made at me when we first made eye contact, I thought, is shit happening? Or is she just acting? But the more I thought about it, the more it seemed like shit must be happening. Why else would she be squeezing my forearm and pressing her ass cheek up against mine? To stay in character? It just didn't seem feasible. So I gig-cackled softly some more, and I thought about it. <laughs> then Bobby got the great idea to do a close-up of my famous nonplussed look, the one-take double-take, when Lenny's yarmulke first goes flying off his head. No, it's not in the video. Parp cut it out because he's a vindictive prick. Timing, he said. The footage was running longer than the song, so something had to go. What a wipe. 
So suddenly I got to be the center of attention. For a long time, too. Remember what I just got done saying about close-ups and people surrounding the actor and staring at him and making sure his light is just right for take after take after take? Well, that was me in the center of it all. I was all alone up there on the stage in front of the green screen with makeup whore patting my face and cameras and crew closing in. And best of all, I got to show Cammy that I had wit. That I was urbane, if not dashing. That I was a somebody, and not just a somebody with a day job rubbing glass mugs. At first, when Bobby said he wanted to get the close-up and everyone should get off the stage but me, I gig-cackled self-deprecatingly and said, You sure you don't want Cameron up here? Nope, just you, said Bobby. Because she's a lot prettier than I am. I looked at her as she was stepping off the stage when I said that. She turned around and gave me the smile that said I'm such a sweetheart. I gig-cackled again when I saw that. <laughs> Parp and Whispers caught the exchange and gave me the look that says, Somebody's trying to put his penis in the blonde girl, but they didn't say anything. I had a great time. Holy guacamole, I was like Noel Coward playing a Las Vegas lounge with a cigarette in one hand and a cocktail in the other. In between takes while the crew was making adjustments, people kept lobbing softballs at me and I kept parking them and all the babes were laughing. Even Maine cunt laughed. But if she wanted a piece of this now after her last little tirade, she was going to have to work for it. You know? For example, Bobby said, Looking good, did you know you were getting a close-up? And I said, Ah, so this is a close-up. Do you think anyone will notice my eyes are in fact tattoos? <laughs> <laughs> and somebody said, Would you uh, move closer to the light? And I said, I'll move closer, but if I see dead relatives in Jesus, I'm backing away again. <laughs> and Bang said, Hey, Paul, are you gay? And I said, not even a little. But if I were persuadable on that head, I'd fuck your brains out, sexy pants. <laughs> and Parp said, Is this your Noel Coward playing Las Vegas routine? And I said, Fuck you. Really, I was on a roll, and like I said, chicks were laughing. It was like the time in dialects class when for my midterm I got up and read the first chapter of Giles Goatboy with a Scots accent. It killed! I can credit that performance with the blowjob I got a week later from Celia Chrisman. It killed. And up in the risers, facing the stage, there was Cammie, with her beautiful blonde hair and funny nose and round ass, a babe who pumps iron to stay perfect, who refuses to allow her body to follow the implications of her unfixed nose. I could see her over the heads of the crew. At one point during my rapid-fire exchange with the film tards, she was standing and facing away from me, then turned around, caught me looking at her, sat down, opened her legs, and grabbed her thighs so that her hands framed her cunt while she gave me the smile that said, Want this cunt? Someone giggled and said, Cameron? But she was far enough back in the risers that most people didn't see. I looked away. Bobby said, What's going on? And he and Parp turned around for a minute to scan whatever it was I might have been looking at. But by then, Cammie was yawning a great, big, exaggerated yawn. They didn't catch on. You okay, Paul? Parp asked. Yup, just... I trailed off there. Distracted, I said finally. I could only see Cammie with my peripheral vision, but I'm pretty sure she was smiling. Oh, Cam. It's harsh remembering this.
Notes from the Upper West Side, copyright 2013 to 2015 by Dan Wrench. Notes from the Upper West Side is a work of fiction. The people depicted in this work do not exist.